Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pigskin Pundits on this Wednesday, March 29th, 2017, NFL Quick Hits Edition on Blog Talk Radio. I am Mark Ferraro, and now stepping into the batter's box, pinch inning for Tom Murphy is my good friend, Ricky Fernaro. What's up, man? Thanks for joining me on the program today. Mark, it's always excellent to be here, and I hope I can be as good as a pinch hitter as Matt Stairs was back in the day. Oh, man. That's right. Matt Stairs, back with Lenny Harris. Throwback then. Oh, yeah. That's we're right. Gonna go, we're going to go reference it, no one's except for us. Absolutely, man. And first of all, I want to say congratulations on the new gig. Can you tell our listeners where they can read all your new articles? Yeah, so uh, I just uh, started a couple weeks ago on uh, Baseball Prospectus, the Yankees' local website, um, on the Baseball Perspective uh, umbrella of websites it's called BP Bronx. Uh, so if you, search BP, if you search BP Bronx, the first thing you'll probably get uh, is the BP gas stations in the Bronx, but the next thing you'll get uh, is the actual Baseball Perspective Bronx uh, local site. Um, I just posted my first article uh, a couple days ago, so you can go ahead and look at that. Um, but yes, remember BP Bronx. Yep, and that article was about Matt Howley and how. Listen, you can expect this guy to drive in runners when they're on third base, right? So when Matt Holiday doesn't do it on Sunday, we're gonna blame you. You know what? That's exactly what will happen. I made him sound so good, and he'll make me sound like an idiot. I look forward to. It. That's what baseball's all about. Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, we can't wait, obviously, Sunday. As you know, Ricky and I are Yankee fans, and their first game kicks off on Sunday. But we'll get to baseball a little bit later. As you know, Ricky has been on the program multiple, multiple times, filling in for the Murph dog, Thomas Murphy. And Ricky is a big-time New York Giants fan, so we want to get his take on all the moves they have made so far in free agency. And, Ricky, the one that stands out to me, because I'm a Jets fan, and that is when you sign – the ex-Jets receiver, Brandon Marshall, to a two-year contract. Yeah, and I was pretty excited about the signing when I first heard about it. Um, and even hearing before that, you know, going, you know, who the Giants might sign as receiver once they let, uh, they weren't going to bring Victor Cruz back. Um, so it was interesting to see who they were going to bring in. Um, and I think it was a smart move. People were going, well, why would you focus on receiver when you have uh, great young receivers on the team with – uh, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, who came out, who came out, had a great rookie year. His first year, I think he had 700 or so receiving yards in his uh, his first year uh, in the NFL. You know, why would you go ahead and get another receiver when you you know you have a bunch of other holes you have to fill, like tight end, uh, offensive line, etc. Um, but I think this is a great move for the Giants um, because it takes a lot of the attention off Beckham. Defenses can't uh, you know just focus in on on Beckham, and that's what they started doing a lot last year. Ian Beckham still put up great numbers, but you can't expect him to keep doing that if the defenses just keep focusing on him. So now you take Brandon Marshall, who had a, <coughs> excuse me, um, who had a great couple seasons with the Jets. I mean, a couple of years ago had over 1,500 yards. Last year, considering the Jets' quarterback situation, which you you know well know and and despise, Mark, um, he still only put up over uh, almost 800 yards. Um, with, uh, you know, with basically a, a horrible quarterback situation. So Brandon Marshall is, is definitely not done. 
despite him getting up there in, in years. Um, you know, he's a different type of receiver than Beckham and Shepard are. Beckham and, and, and Shepard are, are mainly speed guys. Shepard is an excellent route runner. Um, Beckham, you know, we know what he can do. Marshall is a more physical presence, and people started comparing him, and I thought it was a great comparison to when the Giants signed Baxco Burris, um, yep. who was a tall, physical receiver, and Marshall fits that, that very mold. And Eli did very well when Marshall was here. Uh, excuse me, when Beck, uh, Burris was here um, in New York. So uh, I, I thought it was a great signing, um, and I think out of all the receivers out there on the market, um, I thought, you know, Alshon Jeffrey wasn't going to be a, a fit because uh, he fits that same again he fits that same mold of Beckham and Shepard. So I think a, a tall physical receiver is exactly what um, the Giants and Eli Manning specifically need. Oh, for sure. And I even told you when they first signed Brendan Marshall, this guy, like you said, has still a lot enough left in the tank and ignore last year like you said the quarterback situation was a mess he did drop seven passes but don't worry about that because every time Brendan Marshall goes to a new team that first year he's on his best behavior and he puts up great numbers as you mentioned a couple years ago with the Jets over 1500 yards 14 touchdowns as the Jets number one receiver he comes here with a loaded group of guys with Beckham with Shepard, he could be a mentor to Beckham as well, which we know Beckham could maybe use a little bit here and there on and off the field. So Marshall, he's going to be on his best behavior. He's going to perform. And as you nailed it, and so many other people have mentioned it, Ricky, he is such like Plastico Burris when they had him. It gives Eli that big target, especially in the red zone. You guys should have a lot of success this season. Yeah, and since, since Burris, unfortunately – um, you know, had that issue a couple of years ago, the year after the Giants won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, if you think back on that year, the Giants at that point were um, whatever, I think they were 9-1 and one at, at one point that year. Um, they had, and, and Burris was rolling along, and Eli was rolling along. And ever since then, the Giants have been searching for um, another tall receiver. Uh, I think they've been searching for another tall receiver. And they've tried, you know, drafting guys like Ramsey's Barden, um, who was, you know, they thought they could just stick down in the end zone, they can, you know, just catch uh, jump balls all day, which, you know, he never really turned out um, to be that guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I think they've been searching for this this, this tall physical receiver for for a long time, and I think uh, I think Marshall really gives the Giants the, the Giants offense um, another facet. Um, now I do think, and we'll probably talk about this later, but I, I'll mention it now, right now. I do think that they need to uh, find somebody for the tight end. I think finding a tight end would make this offense a really, really well-balanced offense, um, and they need that, that. I need they need that presence in the middle of the field uh, to take away from some of the outside, uh, from stacking the outside and, and giving Eli, you know, nothing on the outside. So I think if you find a uh, a tight end who can get open and, and defenses have to cover. That just makes your offense so much better, um, especially, <clears throat> excuse me again, in that Ben McAdoo offense, um, which you know, which involves you know things going quickly and spreading the field. So um, I think if, if the Giants, if they if they find a tight end, which I know they've been trying to do, and I think they're going to go for the draft with that. Um, if they find a tight end, I think that this makes it a really, really um, potential to be a really, really potent offense. Yeah, don't get me started on the tight end position because, as everyone knows, the Jets have not had one in so many years, 
and I know the Giants <laughs> really didn't use the tight end last year as well. But you mentioned the, you mentioned it great when you mentioned the draft because there's so many guys that talk about the tight end at the deep position come in April, and I don't think O.J. Howard will be there because I think his draft stock is rising every day. Maybe that kid from Miami might be available when you guys draft this year. So I think you'll probably find one in the draft in terms of a tight end because I think most of the options right now are probably taken via free agency. But the second move, Ricky, that stood out to me this offseason was that you locked up Jason Pierre-Ball. Considering everything that happened to him, obviously a couple years ago with the whole fireworks situation, this guy has come back. And what a duo you guys have for multiple years now. Not only Jason Pierre-Ball, but you can't forget about Olivier Vernon. I thought that was a good signing. And, and Pierre-Paul definitely showed the Giants that he can, um, you know, he can put it together for a year. And obviously he missed time at the end of the season, um, excuse me, with an injury. So, but, I, you know, before that, he was, he, was a, he was a very good player. I do think that um, by the end of the season, you know, Pierre-Paul and Vernon were on the field a lot last year. The Giants didn't really have a lot of depth um, amongst their edge rushers. So I think by the end of the season, um, you know, they got – I think they got pretty worn out and they pretty tired. Um, so I think, you know, again, focusing on um, possibly looking at the draft for, you know, stocking that, that, that edge rusher position and make sure they don't get tired and make them even more effective. But even when he was on the field last year before his injury, Pierre Paul was one, uh, as pro football focus said, is one of the more uh, – one of the best tight ends uh, – excuse me, one of the best edge rushers – um, in the league last year, they, they ranked him. Uh, let's see, they ranked him 13th uh, in the NFL out of 109 um, eligible edge rushers. So 13th out of 109 is pretty darn good. Um, and and he showed that he that he can still play, and, and that you know we locked him up for his prime years. And more importantly, I was thrilled with the deal because it ended up saving money. You know, they put the franchise tag on him for the second year in a row by signing him to. The deal that they did, they freed up nine million dollars for this year, and that nine million dollars has already gone to good things. You know, re-signing uh, Keenan Robinson, who was uh, a nice little addition that they signed from the Redskins last off-season to put in, in you know, in the middle linebacking core. Um, so that that was to me not just signing him for that amount of time was important, but the money that you that was freed up this year from taking him. Um, off the franchise tag and signing with a new deal with saving that $9 million, um, I think was already a, a, a win just in that alone. Hey, you know what? You signed two former Jets, Brandon Marshall and Geno Smith. So with that extra cap space you have now because you gave JPP that big-time contract, maybe there's room for Nick Mangles to help you out with that offensive line there. Yeah. Apparently these, these these Jets guys they don't want to move very far. I mean, you just want, apparently you just want to you know switch locker rooms. Um, so you know Nick Mangold is an interesting. You know, Giants already have Weston Richburg um, as their starting center, um, but as as you have said and other reports have said, you know they Mangold may be willing to move to you know a guard position. But again, the Giants obviously can use offensive line help. Um, you know they re- just they just resigned. Um, John Jerry, who was who had uh, stepped up to start some games last year. So, um, and I'm sure they early on they're going to focus on 
on that on that on the offensive line in the draft as well. Um, I would say within definitely within the first three round, three rounds of the draft this year, they'll focus on offensive line. Um, and they also signed DJ Fluker as well. Um, so they, they, they have, it seems like they have some options on the offensive line. So I don't know if Nick Mangold is, is a priority. Um, you know, if you want to take, uh, you know, a, a relatively small deal for a year and, you know, come in and, and you know, what if one of the guys gets hurt or, you know, training camp, you know, he could, he can step in. I would be very comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, I still think Nick Mango will find a home as a starting center because I think when it comes to the draft teams, if they can't get a guy, bring him in as a rookie, they might look to Nick Mango because, like Marshall, I think Mango still has a lot left in the tank. I know he's been injured over the last few seasons, but I still think he can play at a high level. And, you know, when you look at the offensive line, Ricky, the guy who stands out, and he has to have some type of good season, he can't be a lot worse than what he was last year. And that's the former first-round pick out of the U. Let's tackle Eric Flowers. Yeah, and he said it, he, he said it was up and down. They tried moving him around the offensive line um, to see if he would, you know, su- succeed elsewhere. Um, you know, and, and the, the Giants, you know, they they invested a lot in him. He was a top-ten pick. Um, so, you know, they thought that he was going to help fix and, and be a solid piece on, on that line. So far, he's, he, you know, he's 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 he struggled, you know. He, he, there's been stretches of games where he's he's played well, and others where he he's not been able to do anything, um, you know. And he's had trouble protecting Eli's blindside, um, which is not great considering Eli cannot move in the pocket whatsoever. Um, you know, the only run I remember Eli making was you know in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 42 when he, you know, when he he on that last drive he he made two runs for about two yards. And, and 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 nearly fumbled away the ball at one point, only trapped it between his legs. Um, so that so he's not the most mobile of guys. So in order so in order for him to be successful, you have to protect uh, you have to protect him. Um, and considering he's now thirty six, you know it's more you know you got to get bubble wrap if 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 an offensive lineman is not uh, doing his job. Um, so it, it's important. This is a big year for him. Um, and I think, you know, if it was my thought, I, I don't know if the Giants are thinking this way, but my thought is, you know, draft a guy on the line um, and see if that competition makes him, uh, brings out something in him where he can possibly, um, you know, step up and, and hope the guy that they, uh, they they thought he was when they drafted him. Again, you're listening to the Pigskin Pundits on Block Talk Radio. I'm Mark Ferraro. He's Ricky Fernaro. And we're going to the off-season recap of the New York football Giants. And there's one last thing I want to touch base on, Ricky, with you. And I don't think the Giants really need this guy, but obviously he's a big-time name. And Ben McAdoo made some headlines yesterday when he was talking about Adrian Peterson. And all he said, Ricky, he said never. Never when it comes to the ex Vikings running back. Yeah, never say never, but uh, personally, I've not been a big fan of signing him for a couple reasons. Um, <clears throat> one, uh, for football reason, is that the Giants have a, you know, they don't have the best running back core in the world, uh, but it showed flashes last year. They have some. 
Uh, I, I think they have some guys that can that can step up. Rashad Jennings probably is not coming back next year, which is a good thing considering he looked uh, pretty terrible last year, I would say. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but, but they do have some interesting guys uh, that are coming back. They just re-signed Orleans Darkwa, who um, before he got hurt, he, he, you know, he seemed like he was a, um, you know, a pretty good runner. Um, but also there has been talk of the Giants, you know, early on taking a running back in the draft. Um, I th- I've seen a couple mock drafts um, that have them taking uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, the running back out of Stanford, um, mm-hmm. with their first pick, which is in the 20s. So and it seems like this year is a very deep running back class, So, which is not a good thing for all these free agent running backs. I mean, there's still a lot of great running backs that are out there. Like Eric Blunt's still out there. Obviously, mm-hmm. Peterson is out there. Um, so there are, there are still a lot of good running backs out there. Um, you know, at this point in his career, um, I, you know, a couple of years ago, he almost had a 1500 yard season, Adrian Peterson. So I do believe he can still do it. Um, I also, on the other end, do you really want another guy, um, with the kind of history that he's had over recent years? Obviously he had, um, the, the child abuse incidents over the past couple of years where he, you know, he served suspension for that. Um, you know, last off, you know, last year they had the Giants had Josh Brown, the kicker, who had a domestic abuse uh, issue, where the Giants ended up releasing him. So, do you want to deal with that again, especially with the New York media, who will obviously uh, keep harping on it? Um, and do you want to employ somebody like that? I personally, you know, I was from not a pure f- football focus. Um, I personally wouldn't want somebody like that on my team. Um, and even from just if you want to ignore that. I don't know how you can, but if you want to ignore that and just hope for football reasons, you know, the guy is, you know, is what is his 10th year, 11th year in the league. He's in his early 30s. Running backs typically don't last that long. Um, and he only played three games last year. So do you know that he has what he had in 2015? The year before that was one game. So do the, the suspension. So, you know, what, what I think there are better running back options out there on the free agent market. I personally am a big fan of LeGarrette Blunt. I love that style of running that he has. And if you want to go mm. for the draft, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be annoyed if they went to the draft to find a running back as well. Um, so I think there are better options out there than Adrian Peterson, which is not a sentence that I thought I would ever say in my life. Mm. Well, I was going to say that Rashad Jennings right now is showcasing himself on dancing with the stars, trying to uh, earn a new contract that way. But no, with the Giants running back situation, listen, I don't think you need Adrian Peterson. You don't want to give this guy eight nine million, especially when you have guys already in in house that can do the job. You mentioned it, and I saw this guy last year, Paul Perkins. He did a great job towards the end of the season when the Giants gave him the rock more. You still have Shane Vereen, who obviously when healthy is a nice pass catching pass catching option for Eli Manning, and you also sign Sean Drone, a veteran presence there as well. So I don't think you need to really break the bank with Adrian Peterson. Obviously, he wants a big-time contract, but if I'm the Giants, I would say no. Like you said, look to the draft or have just one of these guys start and emerge, and I think you'll be okay there. And it's funny you mentioned that, Ricky, in terms of running backs and being up there in age, because how about the report that came out recently that the Oakland Raiders are interested in bringing in Marshawn Lynch Mr. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that name pop up, um, I you know I did a little double take. You know, you're not you're not expecting to hear Marshawn Lynch's name around. 
um, after after he retired. But um, I could I could definitely see him in an Oakland uniform. I think he I think he would fit that team. <coughs> excuse me. I think he would fit that team very well in that in that identity that they're trying to build. Um, I, I think he would, I think he would be a, a, a wow, just a, a tough physical presence like like he always is. Does he still have it? Maybe he doesn't have it like he was with the Seahawks, you know, and 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 he's a, you know, two hundred and eighty to three hundred uh, touch guy. Um, but if he comes back and he you know works his way, um, you know, back into the fold and he starts off as you know a, a goal line back, you know, that's 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 a perfect thing for him where he you know he'll he'll take you know a snap or two with the goal line, and then you know if he builds his 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 stamina up again. Um, you know, he could, he could eventually maybe, you know, come in earlier in the game for short <clears throat> for short yardage situations when they need a first down, like a third and one, or maybe they go for it on fourth and short. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so if he still if he still has it and he's serious about it, I think that that would be a, a nice move for the Raiders. Yeah, and I think Jack Del Rio will not take a same take uh, take a page out of the same book as Pete Carroll. If you're playing the big, give him the football <laughs> at the goal line. Don't pass it. Just learn that, and I think he'll be okay. But, no, seriously, listen, this guy hasn't played since 2015. That year for Seattle, only played seven games. He will turn 31 in April. But you know what? With that offense, Ricky, you're not going to ask a lot out of Marshawn Lynch. You're not going to say, listen, beast mode, give me 20, 25 carries, especially with that quarterback they have, I should say a very good one, and Derek Carr. If you bring in Marshawn Lynch, maybe 10, 15 carries at most, that's, most, most, you know, the Raiders are their main thing right now is passing the football with Derek Carr as their quarterback and all those weapons they have there in Oakland. Yeah, and I think that's a nice. I think that would be a nice move for him. Now, whether or not he actually wants to come back is is, is another thing. Um, I, I kind of am of the opinion that you know I believe it when I see it. I, I don't. Um, I personally, I don't really expect him to come back. It seems like, you know, based through all his. Um, you know, his social media accounts and, and everything. It looks like he's enjoying retirement uh, a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, you know, he just needed a year off. And, and um, you know, he feels he feels like he wants to get back into this. Um, and I think if he does, um, I think um, Oakland would be, or Oakland slash Las Vegas now, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, um, I think that would be a good move for him. Yep, and that was a perfect segue, Ricky. Thank you, sir, because, listen, Marshawn Lynch won't be there if he ever signed with the Raiders in 2020 when they moved to Las Vegas. Obviously, we learned about this yesterday. You know, 24 votes were needed. The Raiders got 31. The only team that said no, and I have to give them a lot of credit, and we never really do this, this much on the show, and that's the Miami Dolphins. You know, Stephen Ross voting against it. I like it because I don't like this at all, Ricky. I know Las Vegas, I get it, Roger Goodell, another brilliant move by the genius. But I just don't like it because the Raiders are such a historical franchise. And now they're moving in a few years. I don't like it whatsoever. I don't think it's good for the National Football League. No, I'm not really a big fan of it either. Um, and when you think of the Raiders as a team, first of all, as a team, they have an identity, the Raiders, and they're associated with Oakland. And Oakland itself has a mentality up in itself. Um, it's a tough mentality. And I can't imagine the Oakland Raiders all of a sudden picking up with that mentality 
and moving to Las Vegas, a completely opposite mentality. I, I just, I just don't. And on the other end, if you want to take, look at it from the Las Vegas point of view, um, you know, they approved $750 million for the stadium. They're thinking that it's going to cost nearly $2 billion. Meanwhile, the state of Nevada just actually ended up cutting, uh, you know, uh, services for schools, for after-school programs out, out in Nevada. And, you know, I don't know if it was directly to help pay for this, but, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a good look if you're the state of Nevada um, to be cutting, you know, school programs and after-school programs for kids. Um, and meanwhile, you're going to pay uh, almost $2 billion for for a, another rich guy in Mark Davis to move his team to Las Vegas. <laughs> So, excuse me, I don't think it's a good look uh, for anybody. And I agree with you um, and the Miami Dolphins. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's – I just don't see it being a good move um, for the NFL, for the Raiders, uh, or f- for the state itself. Yeah, no, I don't like it whatsoever. And especially with the, the, the whole thing with gambling and sports betting in Las Vegas, yeah, that's really going to work out well. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, that, and that's exactly it. That's the other thing. You had the NFL, you know, the past couple of years with, you know, getting all up in arms over this, over, first getting over the, the um, online uh, gambling with the online fantasy, uh, fantasy leagues for money, and then all of a sudden jumping into, the, jumping into it, with it, jumping in bed with them and making them, you know, official sponsors of the NFL so they can get their money off it. And then meanwhile, if one of their players – acts out and, and gets caught gambling. Oh, you know, we got to suspend them for, you know, for as long as we can. And he's a distraction and he can no longer play here. But now, yeah, like you said, now all of a sudden it's fine. We're going to move to Las Vegas, the gambling capital, capital of the universe. Um, so yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. It, and it just shows the, um, you know, the NFL's lack of own uh, self-awareness and, and, and that they, that they just seem to, uh, you know, run themselves into. So, uh, and don't forget the hypocrisy. So the NFL just seems to to to, to love uh, you know put, putting their their foot into it. Um, and I'm not going to say what it is, but I think everybody knows what it they're stepping into. So let's let's uh, keep it going with the quick hits here, and let's talk about the New York Jets for one second because listen, they lost Dice or not to say that he was really going to come to the Jets. But the cupcakes didn't work out, so he went back to the Patriots on a nice uh, new contract there. But with the Jets, listen, they made a couple moves recently. They needed all the cornerback help they can get. So they're taking a chance on a guy who, when healthy, did perform well last year, the ex-Cowboys cornerback Morris Claiborne. But that's the big issue with this guy, Ricky, in the past. He just can't stand the field. Look what happened last year, right? What he seven games, he missed nine. He came back for the playoff game against the Packers and got hurt again. That's all this guy has been for in his career. I'm just happy as a Jets fan that it was a one-year deal. Thank goodness they did not give this guy a multiple deal. If he stays healthy, great. If not, then he goes somewhere else next year. If he does stay healthy, it's, 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 you, know, you don't want to think of it, of, of it when, he, when you have Darrell Rivas, when you had Darrell Rivas on your team. Um, as being an upgrade, but it will be considering how poorly Darrell Rivas played. Um, and, and Claiborne, you know, like you said, it, it, it's an enigma. When he's on the field, he usually does play well. You know, 
Well, football focus ranked him as the 12th best quarterback in the, in the NFL last year. So he had a, a very good season last year. But, again, it's a matter of staying, staying on the field. So if he does stay on the field and plays, let's say, gives you, you know, 13, 14 games next year, um, I think it's, you know, I think it on the uh, turning out pretty well. Um, if he doesn't, you know, like you said, no harm, no foul. It's only a year, and you let him walk after the year. But I think it's uh, for a one-year deal, I think it's a nice, it's a nice uh, pickup. Yeah, and I want to mention the Cowboys for one second because all those teams, okay, in the NFC East are going to be licking their chops over that Cowboys secondary projected right now because if you look at all the guys they lost in free agency, you talk about Claiborne or Brandon Carr who went to the Ravens, Barry Church, J.J. Wilcox, this Cowboys secondary is getting thin by the moment. Their offense is great. We know how good it is, and maybe they're, they're going to look through the draft rookie and take every safety cornerback that's on the board in every single round. But, man, that defense, Ricky, is going to be a big dealing with all those wide receivers in their own division. Yeah, when you look at it, they have a lot, a lot of receivers to deal with. So, you know, I mentioned earlier Alshon Jeffrey, who signed with the Eagles, um, uh, uh, Pierre Gosson with with the Redskins, Obviously, who the Giants have with Marshall, Beckham, Shepard, um, you know, Jordan Reed with the Redskins. So there's a lot of guys that they're going to have to worry about. Um, you know, and obviously their, their offense is, is, I would say, is pretty well set. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, they probably will focus, go very defense heavy in the draft this year. Um, but on the other end of that, you're going to have to see if you could sign some free agents because how many – you know, you're going to have all rookies, you know, start uh, for, for for your defense for the entire season. Uh, I don't think that's a good uh, that's, that's a good uh, approach uh, to the season. So, you know, most mock drafts have them picking defense early. I'm looking at one right now with their 28th pick taking uh, Gary on Conley, uh, the cornerback out of Ohio State, which would be a nice pick for them. He's a pretty quick guy. Um, so. But, again, do you want to have all these rookies, you know, starting for you when you have to literally be thrown into the fire with all, the, all these guys and more that I just mentioned just in the NFC East alone? I don't know if you want to do that. Yeah, and maybe they'll give a call to Darrell Revis. You know, he's still out there, and I think some team will sign him, so you never know. Maybe Jerry Jones will call Revis and say, hey, come play for us for a few years. So that's always a possibility as well. But considering the year he had last year, I don't know if that's the best move for them. But as you mentioned, and I mentioned as well, they have to look to the draft to really try to get that secondary back in the fold. Now, one more thing I want to talk about with the Jets, and that's they did sign Josh McCown to a one-year deal. And listen, I don't love Josh McCown. He's not very good whatsoever. But considering all the options that were out there, I don't mind it because I kept saying on the show every single week, Tom knows, I didn't want Jake Cutler whatsoever for obvious reasons, but another one, because if you sign Jay Cutler, he would be guaranteed to start. And for the Jets this year, 2017, the best thing for them to be, and Tom Bowles said it yesterday, despite other comments that I don't understand about alarm clocks and all this, and about being late. Are you kidding me? You saw Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson, both those guys were late last year, and now you're saying it's okay to be late because sometimes the alarm clock doesn't go off. What are you talking about, Todd Bowles? Really? Come on. But with the quarterback situation, let me digress a little bit. Let me calm down a little bit. Okay. So with Josh I would recommend McCown, Yeah, thanks. 
But with Josh McCown, listen, have the competition. The best thing for the Jets would be either Petty or most likely Hackenberg to win the job, really impress, and let McCown, who's more known as a mentor, a good locker room presence, have the, you know, let him take you know, those two quarterbacks under his wing and go from there. That's the best thing for the Jets to do in 2017, have an open competition, which they're going to have, and go from there. Well, let me ask you something real quick about the, about the Jets quarterback, Mark, because a lot of yeah. the things that I've read specifically about Christian Hackenberg is that, no pun intended, but actually no little pun intended, is that he can't hack it or he will never be able to hack it um, as a quarterback in the NFL. And people, you know, are kind of, you know, you know, ragging on the Jets a little bit for, for placing their hopes, their future hopes in, in a guy like Hackenberg when they should really, you know, focus on uh, free agency or possibly the draft next year. I know there's a, there's a certain guy in the draft that you, that you are already enamored with that you hope for uh, next in the next draft. Do you think that they should let Hackenberg start the majority of the games this year? Let's say McCown comes out and struggles like the first couple games. Do you let Hackenberg take the reins for the rest of the year and see what you have um, in him? Um, or do you, think, do you expect anything out of him? Well, no, I think, you, I think you nailed it. I think you have to have him play at some point this year. I would probably even say, let's say like you mentioned, if McCown starts a few games, the first option might not be Petty. It might be Hackenberg, depending on how the prog- progress goes starting in training camp. You have to see if this guy can show you anything going into that famous quarterback class in 2018, as you mentioned. They drafted this guy in the second round. So what would it tell you if the sixth overall pick, if they took someone like Trubinsky? Then what does that mean for Hackenberg? That, that, was, that was a wasted pick, a second rounder last year. So I don't know what they're going to do. You know, Some reports, uh, obviously my good friend, and I love him, Manish Mehta, he was saying that the Jets had the hots for uh, Trubinsky. So what would that tell you about the pick last year with Hackenberg? See, I wouldn't do that because Tagnant learned from Ron Wolf when he was interviewed for the whole process, you know, always take a quarterback and all that. But you have to see if Hackenberg can show you anything because if he doesn't, then the, with the way the Jets season probably will go this year, they're going to have a high pick next year and take one of those quarterbacks that most likely will be available. So I think, Ricky, you got to see what Hackenberg can do. To me, he would be right there behind McCown. And maybe the Jets get surprised. Maybe, they'll show, maybe he'll show you something in training camp and the preseason, and maybe he'll start right away, which I think, Ricky, he has to. you got to see what this kid can do. I agree. If you're going to spend a second-round pick on him um, and then never play him in a game, um, and the rest of your team struggles. To me, that's almost that's that's getting close to a fireable offense because you I, you can't waste a second round pick on a quarterback and then never see what he can do. It's not like that he's hurt and you know and, and and never you know made it onto the field. You know, I, I can understand also sitting him for his first year in the league, um, especially when you ha- when you go into it, you sign it, you sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to a, whatever it was twelve thirteen million dollars for last year. Um, you know, you you want you, you and you want to try to win as they as they went into last year. So you're going to start with Fitzpatrick, but in this year, if you don't go with Hack, Hackenberg, well, then it's like, well, what did you do a couple of years ago in that draft? Um, so I think you got to go with him if he struggles. Um, I, I really don't think I think personally think it's going to be a lost year for the Jets anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think if he struggles. You just play him, see what you have. If he struggles, you have McCown, you have Petty, you can change it up. But at least you at least have to know where you stand with this guy, so you can go, okay, you know, by October you should know 
whether Hackenberg is, is going to be uh, the guy that you think that you can build around for in the next season or if you have to spend an, an early pick on him and maybe pull the plug early to ensure that you have that early pick. That's right, and that's why it doesn't make sense for them at number six or whatever round they want to take a quarterback because if you're not really in love with Trubinsky, then don't take him just to take him. You, gotta, you really have to love the guy. And with Hackenberg, I'm assuming they must have liked him because they took him in the second round last year. And then after that, one year, that's it. We give up? No. Let the kid play. Hopefully at some point this year he'll get a few snaps and hopefully a few games. And hopefully for our sake he does well. But if not, then obviously we'll look ahead to 2018. Now, Ricky, we do have a few minutes left in the program. I want to get your take, obviously, on our big fantasy baseball draft that we had a few weeks to go. And I want to get your take on your, on your squad because – we know your offense is loaded, but I'll tell you something. I know you're down your pitching, and I know you don't have that true ace, but when, you're, when you look at your staff, you had a bunch of guys last year who did pretty well, whether it was Kyle Hendricks, Duffy, you had Maeta, he surprised everyone last year, and Jeff Samarjus. You have some decent guys. I know they're not ace material, but you got a lot of two, three guys who I think are going to do solid for you this year. Yeah, you know, I... I, I... You know, like like you said, like you just said, I not a huge fan of my starting rotation. Um, uh, you know, there were a lot of guys offensively on the board last uh, during the draft that I felt that I needed to take that I couldn't do without, um, and guys that I surprised that fell. One of those guys being Nelson Cruz, that you know how he fell. All of a sudden, I looked up and realized he was still on the board. So, if you can take him and pair him in an outfield with Mike Trout and Starling Marte, um, you know, I think that's that's a that's a pretty good outfield and pretty good um, basis for my offense. So I think <clears throat> my offense should be fine. I took a, I with a, um, you know, a high doubles on base percentage kind of focus this year. So a lot of guys, every single one of my guys had it. Uh, let's see, only one person last year, um, excuse me, only one person is projected um, to have fewer than 20 doubles. Uh, this season, and that's Neil Walker of the Mets. Um, he's projected to have 17 doubles this this coming season. Everybody else is projected to have at least 20. So I went I went with you know a lot of doubles, getting extra base hits um, on base percentage. I like you know I like people who get on base because of that because walks are a category in our league, runs created are a category. So on base percentage, I feel is, is something that fits in well with that. Um, and like you said, with the pitching, I, you know I'm not too thrilled with it, but I decided to go. To, to, with our relievers, because we made holds this year and added another reliever. We had two last relievers last year. Now we have three. I decided to try to build an elite starting pitcher um, with some of my uh, holds guys. So I, I drafted guys like uh, Kyle Barraclough from the Marlins, Brad, Bo- Brad Brock uh, from the Orioles, who had excellent years last year and have a lot of strikeouts. If you, combine, if you look at their stats, you combine their stats, they basically equal Kyle Hendricks. Um, if, if you if you look at if you combine the ratings and strikeouts and everything, so um, hopefully that, that kind of you know helps me a little bit until I can may possibly deal for my offense to try to bolster my pitching a bit. So I'm 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 optimistic, uh, but we'll see how the pitching holds up this year. Well, hey, I know you so well that I know you're going to be working those phones. You're going to still try to get an ace at some point this season. Hey. You might look to my squad, not week one, because we play each other, of course, every single year. But you might be interested in, in a Noah Syndergaard, a Johnny Cueto, a Tanaka, a Hamill. So you never know, Ricky. We could maybe work out something some point this year. 
you know, one of these one of these days we should we should get on the, on your program here, and then for forty minutes just haggle over a trade, just live the whole the whole show, just haggle over a trade and see what we come up with at the end of it. I think it'd be fascinating. Right, we could probably fascinating radio. Oh, for sure. No, I think so. I think we could definitely do that. I think we could spend 45 minutes on thinking of a trade going back and forth. That would be some entertaining moments. Obviously, we've got to be careful what we say on the air, but I think, uh, I think we can do it. I think we can definitely try to work out something at some point this year. I have a bunch of pitchers. You have very good hitters. So I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking a lot this year. After week one, of course, as I mentioned, we play each other beginning on Sunday, as well as fantasy basketball. Yes. We also play fantasy basketball, and we're in the championship this week as well. It's two weeks, though, so we still got a lot left in the tank. Now, Ricky, before I let you go, we have to know, what is your World Series prediction for the 2017 season? Will we see a repeat of last year between the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians? Well, I'll tell you what, these, these Cubs are – or a loaded team, and it's hard to see them um, not going back to the World Series. Um, and at the same time, it's really hard to see the Indians not going back. I look at the Indians like I did with the Royals a couple of years ago when they, you know, when the Royals made it to the World Series in 2014 and lost in Game Seven, and then came back and, and, and laser focused won a division in 2015 uh, and moved on to the World Series where they ended up beating the Mets in, in five games. Uh, I, I see that Indian team very similar. To that Royal team, um, we're built on you know extremely strong pitching staff, um, pretty good defensive players, and they just loaded up and added Edwin Encarnacion to throw in your DH spot, um, and they possibly get Michael Brantley back for nearly a full season. Uh, so that Indians team looks like they're pretty loaded. I do think the Indians go back to the World Series. I think that that you know that they have to, they have a job to finish. They were up three one, they blew it. And you know that that incredible game seven, um, I think will I think sat poorly with them the whole off season. Um, so I'm going with a royal site site prediction where the Indians end up winning the World Series. Will they face the Cubs or not? Uh, that remains to be seen. I, I you know the Cubs are, are are loaded again. I think they can do it again. Um, but just for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with the Dodgers being in the World Series. I'm going to say let's go with an Indians Dodgers World Series. Um, the Dodgers also, you know, you know, they basically brought everybody back. They had two big re-signings, signing Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen that are going back. Those are huge moves, the fact that they're back. Um, and everybody else, you know, Clayton Kershaw is going to be Clayton Kershaw uh, like he always is. And hopefully he stays healthy for the full season. Uh, last year, he, I know he missed about a month or a month and a half or two months or so. Um, so I do think – I think the Dodgers are, are, are pretty well loaded and they get a full season – um, you know, at, at another year out of Corey Seager. So it, I could definitely see another uh, Cubs-Dodgers uh, NLCS. Um, and I really, it's really a, a coin flip um, at that point, whether who gets in, because both these teams are really, really good. But I'm going to go with the Indians uh, as, your, as your World Series champions. All right, I'll end on this note. The World Series in 2017 will be played between the Houston Astros who will represent the American League, and the New York Mets will make it back this year out of the NL with that starting oh. pitching. They'll stay healthy. Yep, they'll stay healthy, and that'll carry them through October. So we're at the Astros Mets World Series, and of course, my MVP, none other than the ex-Mets, Carlos Beltran. So we'll end on that note, Ricky, my man. 
Thank you, as always, for joining me on the program today, filling in for the Murph Dog, talking about the Giants, baseball. The season begins on Sunday. We can't wait. Obviously, I'll see you at some point this week, my man. Thank you again, and feel better, okay? And good luck in the fantasy basketball championship against Mr. Yours Truly. Uh, good luck. Thank you for having me on again. And don't forget, Kevin Durant is coming back very soon. So I have another weapon coming back off my bench really, really soon. So watch out. I'm coming for you this year. All right, man. Let's go. I'll take Durant. That's fine. I'll take him. I'll just have a Le- uh, LeVar Ball. I'll pick him up, and he can start for me uh, every day. That's fine. Uh, everyone, I'll take, yeah. enjoy. That's fine. I'll take his dad. <laughs> everyone, enjoy the rest of your week. Opening day, which kicks off on Sunday. You can't wait. Of course, the Final Four and the National Championship, which will take place on Monday. For all you wrestling fans like myself, big night on Sunday with WrestleMania. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark at Ferraro. Ricky is at Rick underscore Fernaro. Thanks for listening to the program. 